It's almost midnight somewhere in this world we call home. There's just enough time for some more stories. Some stories before 12, just to keep us warm. Haunted history, urban legends, ghost towns, and more. Next stop, the Pop of Zero podcast. Welcome to the Pop of Zero podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm here today with absolutely nobody. As you see the title on the screen, we're doing a podcast on Ouija boards today, and we recorded it a couple days ago, and uh, we're through probably two segments, and the battery went dead. So I went up and got the batteries, came downstairs, checked the file, the file was okay, so we proceeded to go into the next segments. And we recorded it and everything was fine. Went upstairs, went to download it, and the file was corrupted. Just that file, the first part of it. The second one was fine. So I'm uh, going to do a new SD card. And I'm probably going to find an uh, adapter so I can use this by batteries. But we'll explain maybe why it did it in the segment so i just want to get you a quick update and uh hope you enjoy the podcast well that was weird um this is probably the first time yeah we're gonna kind of cut in because we were talking away and we checked the battery level when right before we went on air and uh Batteries juiced out, so you want to talk a little bit about that? Why sometimes that happens? Well, it's stated that uh, battery entities or ghosts or whatever will draw on the batteries to get power to manifest or do something. Yeah, and that happened to you up at uh, Mini. Quay's Mini grave. Quay's grave. Yep. And it happened to me when we were recording Reflections of Fear Part 2. So that's weird. I'm going to, might have to see if the studio's haunted now. That'd be kind of cool though. Yep. As long as it's ghost. I'll bring my spirit box next time. So yeah, look, we're going to go right into uh, the next segment of the Ouija board, um, which we will talk about like the spiritualism part and stuff like that we we kind of brushed over so we'll just jump to you know how it became popular and i think we did we i didn't even look at this was because of the world war one and world war two but um i think why the ouija board got so popular i don't know because i was probably three or four when the movie came out was the exorcist yeah. I think that's what kind of gained its popularity that's back. That's what kind of gained its infamous popularity. You can say it, evil. Evil. <laughs> and you know what the name of who Reagan, Reagan was talking to was named Captain Howdy. Captain Howdy. So a um, little backstory about Captain Howdy. Um he was a character, actually, in Dee Snyder's movie. 
and now is kind of gained popularity as Captain Howdy, but Captain Howdy is Satan, everybody. Uh, well, at least in The Exorcist. But we're talking about, let's go back to the different, uh, the Ouija board itself. Um, you know, there's different symbols on it, and the most popular symbols are... Yes, no, hello, goodbye. And then the symbols around it, cross, as uh, sunlight, sunlight, and the moon, moon, and then people underneath conjuring the spirits. But like uh, we said previously, the swastika board um, had the swastika and the Star of David, right. which is very ironic. And we'll post this on YouTube. One of my friends actually had the board, and it's worth seven, eight hundred dollars if somebody wants to buy it. But technically, though, the swastika on that thing is turned correctly. It's like in the Indian or the Navajo type. Correct, because the way the Nazis kind of modified it was they turned it almost on. 45 Yeah, almost. a Dutch angle, if all you camera geeks know what that is. Um, but yeah, and also some of the lesser known talking boards had an elephant, which is a sign in Hindu, I believe, is for good luck, and a four-leaf clover, and then actually some of the newer ones actually have a pentagram too. So... Since we're on the subject of popular culture, um, 2000, oh, what was it, 2012, 2013, there was a man that claimed that there's a malevolent spirit named Zozo that haunts a Ouija board and it gained a lot of popularity on the internet. So when I first heard about it, if all you music fans know that Zozo on Led Zeppelin 4, the all the band members had different symbols. And one of them, Jimmy Page, the guitarist, had a symbol and it was Zozo. So that's what I thought, you know, they thought, I'm thinking, what well, why is Jimmy Page he's not even dead yet? You know, why is he haunting the but it's Jimmy Page is spelled Z-O-S-O, -S -O, and the other one is with the Z. And Jimmy, so I looked into it, and if you guys don't know about it, Led Zeppelin's kind of famous for, you know, the dark arts and stuff like that, that they kind of hinted that they, they, they were into. And the Zozo symbol is actually, if you look at the alchemy sign, for Zo is Saturn, and then some people claim that he came up with the Z because it's one of the symbols for his uh, zodiac sign, which is Sagittarius. Sagittarius or Cap Capricorn? I'm sorry. And then the Oso meant six six six. So try to figure that out. Uh, it, uh -huh. it it doesn't make sense to me. <coughs> But then in an interview later on, 
way down the road, somebody asked him, and he goes, well, what it really meant is I eat bananas. <laughs> kind of being kind of silly, being an older gentleman now. Yeah. But uh, the quote-unquote demon was uh, came about, I yeah, 2009. Uh, a guy named Darren Evans re- said he had an experience with a demon named that. I even like giving this kind of props the name because I'll tell you a little bit why I feel that afterwards. Um, and he said that it actually haunted him and stuff like that. And then people did some research on it and said that uh, that name was actually named about or named in a possession of a girl in 1816 in France. Hmm. So that's fine. You know, it could, it could it happen. Um, I keep my open mind. Yes. But as we like to do, this guy could have did research, find the name of this creature, supposedly that possessed this young girl and went with it. <laughs> Cause everybody's like, well, it, it has to be true because back in, you know, the 1800s, this girl was possessed, or he could Google cool possession names or whatever on the internet, because this was way, you know, 2012, the internet was was rocking, as it is right now. Plus, with the Jimmy Page thing, he was, Jimmy Page actually used to live in Aleister Crowley's old house. Right. So. Well, isn't that interesting? (laughs) That into it? Hmm? No, I just seriously find that interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the house where he Just being stoic. (laughs) Finish, close out a magic ritual that was supposed to take like a month long to do and left it open. Wow, that's a good job, Rob. I didn't know that, and I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan. But yeah, he... This guy claimed that he was on his Ouija board multiple times, and this entity, he didn't call it a demon, kept showing up. And he quoted it. Somebody asked him how many times it showed up. He said too many times to count. So this kind of got popular. Um, While he was doing it, he was some of the... Things he was spelling out, he would actually look up, and it was Hebrew and stuff like that. And we all know if you do your homework, he could make anything work. Mm -hmm. Um, He got very popular because of this, and he was actually on Rob's all-time favorite show, Ghost Adventures, right before the favorite, your guy quit, Um, Nick. Nick. That was his very last episode. And uh, what what I'm thinking of with this, could it be real? Of of course it can. But every when I, when I started doing research on this, I thought of you guys remember the Slender Man, yeah, in Wisconsin. That's this was precursor to the Slender Man. But if you guys don't know about the Slender Man, it's about these two girls. It was an internet thing about the Slender Man on the internet would come and get you and stuff like that. And she, they actually claim they killed this 
girl in Wisconsin because well, they tried to. She right. Lived. That's right. I'm good call. Um, to appease this internet sensation, so the jury's still out. I mean, this could very well happen. Um, if you guys look on YouTube, there's a lot of people claiming to contact Zozo now. Okay. Well, that's awful. Close. What was the demon in Exorcist? Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Yeah. So it's real close. I mean, right. And drop the poo. <laughs> actually, Elaine Dietz actually bought our DVD and talked to us for a while, and I didn't know her from Adam until after she bought it. So thank you, Elaine. But yeah, that that's where I kind of think of when all this stuff happens. It's almost like modern day urban legends that actually occur on the internet. So, but every, remember, everything on the internet is true. Right. Just like everything you look up is true. Yeah. So, what else you guys got? Uh, well, I question the board people commu or connect with just because it's fancy looking and it's ornate. But in reality, the planchette preceded the talking board as we know it from the spiritualist movement. Right. And uh, it was a gentleman named Alan Kardec in 1853 had been conducting a seance and the spirits told him during his automatic writing session that he should stick a writing instrument or pencil in a basket and use that to write on. And the planchette came from that that more than the board itself seems to me to be the uh, focal point of the of the two pieces. And you know, planchette means wood plank in yep. French. Yeah, in French. Yeah, and I don't know. I I tried to kind of half-heartedly look up why the modern planchette is looked like a teardrop. And I couldn't find any information how, why, or how they designed it that way. Because if you look at some of the talking boards, um, they actually, some of them were actually round. And what I've heard, I, I haven't seen one for sure, but the original planchette actually had three casters on it. And have you guys ever used a Ouija board before? No. Have you seen one? Yeah. Have you seen the planchette and flipped them over? The feet are felt. Right. So. Costs a lot less to do felt than. Well, and then you, well, then you got to <laughs> grease the. Grease the uh, casters and then oil gets all over your board and little run around things. And, and another thing about the Zozo is if you. How the board is laid out, the Z's at one end and the O's at the other. And supposedly when you do, when you're on, which we'll talk about later, when you're actually using the Ouija board, it goes around in a circle. But if you think of, sometimes it goes around in circles, sometimes it crosses and stuff like that. And if you do the Zozo, if it says Zozo while you're playing it, it could actually be a sign 
you're making the infinity sign, uh -huh. which if you guys don't know what the infinity sign is, it's the letter eight inverted horizontal. It's a horizontal eight. So I thought that was kind of, when I was looking on stuff like that, I thought that was pretty interesting that it actually spelled or made the infinity sign when you're spelling out this supposedly entity's name. But now is it that it's your the entity is doing it, or is it the automatic uh, nervous system? Oh, I, I don't. What is that called? The idle motor. Audio motor. Uh, we can. Well, we'll talk about that a little later. Okay. Um, but let's get into some. Dave over here hasn't been talking a lot, so. <laughs> What we're going to do is kind of delve into uh, some of the stories about the Ouija board. Before that, I'd like to touch on the Exorcist wasn't the first time that the Ouija board was demonized by, by uh, more conservative groups. Uh, there was a gentleman named John Godfrey Ropert who originally started out as a spiritist, and he was hoping to prove the existence of all aspects of spiritualism using scientific method. And one method that he used was the use of the planchette. Something occurred during his studies, and he gravitated from a spiritualist to an Anglican clergyman and eventually converted to Catholicism. In 1901, he wrote The Dangers of Spiritism, and around that time, and between 1919, uh, he was commissioned by Pope Pius X to travel and tour Great Britain and the United States, danger, uh, excuse me, lecturing on the dangers of occultism, Ouija boards, and against further exposing people to demonic possession. And in 1919, he wrote a book called The New Black Magic, and the truth about the Ouija board. So before the exorcist, th this was on the radar of at least the Catholic Church, and they were very staunchly against the Ouija board even back at the beginning of the 20th century. Oh. All right. So want to get into the stories now, or? I'm ready to get into the stories. We'll go, well, Start out with Dave and then go around the room because Dave has a whole book on I've different got, stories. Or we so. can jump back and forth. But yeah, non-chronological <laughs> order here. Um, instances of people going kooky or worse because of the use of the Ouija board. 1988, 18-year-old Gustavo Marlowe Jr. killed two women after he was told to do so by the Ouija board. Ouija board claimed that, or he claimed that the Ouija board told him that he would be promised powers, uh, unknown powers, if he committed these murders. And he was afterward uh, taken into custody. And in 1991, he managed to escape for one day before being recaptured. Uh, that being said, in 2016, a chance for him to be paroled came up. And luckily, uh, that was denied. So he remains in prison, uh, the result of allegedly committing murders based on the recommendation of the Ouija board. But th this guy 
has a very violent, sadistic history. What state was that? I believe this was California. Okay, figures. Anyways, sorry, Californians. Yeah. We got to make fun of people from California and Ohio. And just how it is. Okay. <laughs> the sports thing, I guess. I don't know. Uh, 1979 in Florida, there was a private school where teachers and students alike broke out into mass hysteria following some girls playing with a Ouija board and claiming that an evil spirit overtook it. Uh, students and teachers alike began screaming. They were kicking the walls. They were thrashing about. Uh, one individual even tore the door from its hinges. When police arrived, the students were laying on the ground convulsing and they were in a hysteric state. And it was even reported that one child threw himself through a second-story window, landed on the ground upside, outside, got up uninjured, and then engaged the police, physically fighting them with alleged superhuman strength, and then it faded to nothing. You didn't hear about it anymore. And the headmaster or owner of the private school claimed that, you know, there were just people that didn't like him that were out to get him, and that was a theme that he used several years over the course of uh, running this school and yep, that, eventually ran it into the ground. <laughs> yeah, that happened in Miami. Mm -hmm. And actually there's a show on that, if you guys want to see it, it's on Discovery Plus called The Devil's Academy. And it, it happened in 1979, you know, the height of the, I guess, really good movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was really interesting. I seen that I think around October when it came out. As I was a little disappointed because we kind of pride our this group, I guess you'd call it, on finding stuff out of the ordinary. And I was down in Miami in April, and I literally had eleven hour uh, layover. In Miami and uh, could have went and did practically anything we wanted to do and then I get home and a month later this comes on and you could have gone and checked it out right <laughs> I could have went and took some pictures and checked it out and yeah there's a whole uh, I would like to kind of deep dive into that if we could down way down the road uh, because it's really interesting on the guy that ran the school, how he ran it, and because it was called the Miami Aerospace Academy. And it had nothing to do I, with aerospace. No, it didn't have anything to do with it, and the guy was Cuban. Mm -hmm. So um, nothing against Cubans, but, I mean, it seems like you read that, you think it's like a precursor to going to NASA or the Air Force. And, like, you guys said it, it has nothing to do with it. So it's just just a weird thing all around. It was a very strict school. You know, they had to do a dress code and all that. But, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Thank you, Dave. Mm -hmm. Well, I got a personal one. Um, back in 1989, um, I was going to school in Pittsburgh, and me and my roommate were messing around and he said hey i found a ouija board and i'm like what do you mean you found a ouija board 
And he's, he goes, yeah, it was up in a, a closet because we stayed in a dorm and there's a closet area where you put your clothes and everything. And he goes, it was underneath that blanket that we never touched. And I'm like, I, I swear that we moved that and moved it back. Anyways, so us being teenagers broke it out and we started playing with it and uh, it started moving. And if you guys played with a Ouija board, the first thing that happens when you're doing it and the planchette starts moving is, are you moving it? No, are you moving it? It's like common practice of doing it. And it started moving in a circular or like I recently explained, uh, a V8 motion and we started asking it questions well at the time i had a girlfriend back here in flint and i started asking questions about her and it would answer and stuff and it would answer questions that only i would know and i swear my roommate's name was carrie and i swear to god he was moving it and so it kind of put me off a little bit kind of almost yeah i'll say it scared me a little because why would, how could he know some of this information? And uh, one of the questions I asked was, I got her a ring one time. And it was a, uh, almost like a mustard brown ring. It was in between like, almost root beer. Really pretty. I, I forgot. I think it was a topaz, but I'm not sure. But uh, it, it said something about a brown ring and I never told Carrie about this ring so we got done and I knew I played with it a little bit before when I was a kid with my babysitter over her house and so I knew how to close it out because if every Ouija board has to say goodbye or some of the older ones that I I seen say Feeny which is French for basically goodbye, I guess. And uh, so I said it, told it goodbye. We had a good laugh, had a couple beers and went out. And the next couple days, this is before cell phones, um, I contacted, talked to my girlfriend. We we're talking and I was in a rock band back then. And after I got done practicing, she lived in the basement. And uh, I, I would go over after practice. I'd knock on her on her door and her window, and she'd come on. We'd talk a little bit, and then I'd leave while we're we're talking. She goes, "You know, I had the weirdest dream the other night. Now, do you know if it was a dream?" <coughs> Excuse me. I said, "What's that?" She goes, "Well, I had a dream that you came to the door." or the window and we were talking and stuff and i said yeah and she she said you you said you wanted me to give back the ring and i'm like oh this is weird and uh we're, we're talking back and forth and stuff and she goes then i swear i was awake when i heard knocking at the window <laughs> And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, you must have been sleeping really deep. I never told her that we were playing with a Ouija board, but I did tell Carrie, and that freaked the shit out of him. Actually, um, 
I talked to her a couple days later because it was, you guys don't know about long distance. Long distance was very expensive <laughs> to talk to somebody back then. Call after seven. Right. And uh, so he actually was listening in on our conversation about her talking about the ring because I kind of reiterated what she said to prove that I wasn't lying. Well, fast forward about 25, we actually broke up and I married a better woman. Um, we got in contact through social media and Rob's eating. Um, I, I told her and it kind of, kind of scared her. So it was, well, we're going to talk about the different scientific things about the Ouija board, but I don't know how somebody could explain that as being scientific, you know, or coincidences. Cause some of the things that were said and what happened was just weird. So you got a personal story, or I got a story. I don't have personal story. Never used the thing. Okay. Uh, there's one of this uh, kid named Cameron. Uh, he's about twelve or thirteen, and his mom was in the hospital, and his dad was working, and he want he, they were his parents were really religious, and didn't want anything to do, but he was kind of curious about the Ouija board, so he made his own out of a piece of cardboard mm -hmm. and was using it. Well made Ouija. More <laughs> powerful. Yeah. Really? Supposedly. Okay. But he was uh, as he was using it, he had a he's sitting there, he had a glass of water and he's going up moving the thing and he and it spelled he said hello and it spelled out hello. He asked who its name was and it spelled out Sophia, which is Greek for wisdom. Okay. Which, if you think about, that, and then he was going on and asking other questions, and uh, at, a, at one point he goes, are you a demon? And it moved to yes. And he got scared. As soon as he did that, the glass of water flew off and hit the wall. Now, you don't know if he didn't. Right, there's right. different circumstances. Uh, he then he went out. He went outside and because he thought he was going to pass out and to get uh, fresh air, and that's where his father found him. Asked him what happened, and he said he couldn't remember. Never told him about the Ouija board. Went back in there. The board was gone. There were books with pages ripped out of them in the area where he was, but he never, uh, never uh, told his parents or anything about using the Ouija board. Hmm. But if you think about it, what, uh, what was one of the things that the d demons promise is to give wisdom. Hmm. So. Now, how was this proven? Is this his story? This is or his story. When he was older? And when he was older, yeah. That's, now, did he say, in the story he told, did he say he said goodbye to the... Nope. Nope, he left it open. 
and that that was <laughs> of the course only... he didn't know what what he was doing. So right, is that his only occurrence with it, or yeah, he never played with it again. Probably no, he gave up on that. Then there's a one from uh, Columbia. Actually, there's about I found probably four or five things from Columbia dealing with as like Dave's then girls in school. Uh, th- there was like you know, 20 and one, 22 and another one where they used, were using the Ouija board and they were coming down with mental illness, being nervous, having fits, being sick. The people at the school saying, oh, they... They just uh, got food poisoning. Well, well it, they could <laughs> in Colombia. <laughs> but if it was just just those girls right. that had that used the Ouija board were the ones being sick. What about all the other ones at the school that didn't get sick? Right. When in fact they even had a police that was really religious in that, and he came in and said that it was. Had to do with the evil. And if not a lot of people know, um, South America is one of the most Christian places in the world. Uh, especially, I think they're like 85 or 90% Catholics. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff that happens in the Catholic world. They automatically think they're demons. So, what other ones you got? Uh, As far as me, June 1923, there was a woman named May Murdoch, and she decided to consult a Ouija board. The Ouija board told her that her husband was not only being unfaithful, but he had intended to kill her. So, one night she went out on her porch and she said that something or someone handed something to her. And uh, the next thing, I I think her quote was, I think it was the spirits told me to do something. Then she wakes up and she's surrounded by the police and what she was handed was a gun and she had shot her husband. And just before dying, uh, her husband stated to police that his wife must have suddenly gone insane. And that was the last thing he said before he died. And th- th- there's a point I have later on to say, but I've, I've got a couple of more things we can continue to go around. Yeah, there's a there's another story in the 20s I kind of briefed over and decided not to talk about. Almost the same story as uh, a couple, I believe they're in the 70s or 80s, was playing with a Ouija board. And the Ouija board told them that the husband was cheating on the wife. And I guess it's either fifteen hundred or fifteen he gave her fifteen hundred or fifteen thousand dollars too. So the wife was enraged, tied him up, um, got a hot poker, was torturing him. And put a gun to his head, and he admitted 
to this affair or he'd have been shot. And so she finally found out that he was quote unquote cheating on her, which he wasn't. Forced confession. And uh, she turned around and was going to kill him while he got loose and shot her in the back of the head and killed her. And he was found not guilty because of, you know, basically self-defense. So, yeah, a lot of weird things happened in the 20s. Him versus the demon. So, you want to get to the idiometer or idiomotor theory? Because I'm going to put this out here right now. They claim that they've proven how the Ouija board works. But how do they know it's proof? I mean, we're about to talk to something, but how do we know that that is 100% true and not spirits? There's not really ways to prove this. This is a good, this is probably what happens, but you always got to keep an open mind. Might be that 0.1%. Right. And that... I, I'm sorry I spelled this or pronounced it wrong. I think it's idiomotor effect is uh, what happens is basically when you cry, there's involuntary muscles that you don't know that you're controlling subconsciously, Right. which they prove it through crying. Um, that's how you cry is through this effect. And what happens is you'll put your your fingertips on on the planchette and if you concentrate enough your subconscious will start to take over and start to move this without you even knowing it and uh they've actually in one of the patents claim that this is how even in the eight because i think it was proven like 1840 or 1860 that this is how the ouija board works through the patent is through this idiomotor phenomena, I guess you'd call it. And uh, people claim that that's exactly what happens when you do it. That's why you have to, if you read the directions on the Ouija board, it's got to be like a somber environment lights down low and you have to concentrate and you got to ask things very slowly so got anything to add to that rob they said that to be sure that you're not talking to your subconscious all you have to do is put a blindfold on yourself and tape everything on a video camera as you're doing it so if you can't see the board yeah, but and how? Still answers. But okay, they say to do that. But how? How subconsciously can you see the letters or what? What the you board can't, is saying? Because you're blindfolded. Right. So if your subconscious want to say something, but that would if it answers, then it's not your subconscious. Oh, I I understand now. I thought you meant just the opposite. I gotcha. So, what do you think about that, Dave? Jerry's still out, or? Uh, To quote somebody, 
For those who believe, no explanation is necessary. For those who do not believe, no explanation will suffice. That's all I have to say. <laughs> That's not my quote. Who quoted I'll, that? That's a very good quote. You know, quote. I don't necessarily That's believe that quote. this is the original person, Joseph Dunninger. I've seen the quote other places and supposedly from other people, but... Here's a point. I've got a couple of more quick stories, and, and I'll give you my two cents afterward. But back to 1920 again, we have a newspaper headline, Ouija Board Fills Asylums. Excitement of listening to ghosts and spirits spell out messages that drive many crazy. Dr. William J. Hickson, director of the world's leading psychiatric uh, laboratory, has been watching Ouija Board craze with keen professional interest. His advice is to make kindling of the board and kiss your favorite spirit control device goodbye. Uh, unless you want to wake up in the psychopathic laboratory struggling desperately to pass the moron test. <laughs> We've been getting dozens of spiritualists in here, he explained, as well as Ouija board fans and seance habitues. So... Nineteen twenty four. Nora Hollis one day decided to write a book titled The Living God of the Bible is Satan, the Evil One. People bought this book by the thousands. I can't find a copy of it, but I know that it was put into uh, publishing. It was a forty page booklet. I found proof that it was published, but I it, it has to be beyond ultra rare ultra rare. Um, despite selling thousands of the copies of the books, she never had any converts. So um, her response to that was she shot and killed her friend. <laughs> and she wanted to be branded as a murderess and be hanged in order to try to have people who were tenants of her teachings um, come and follow her. Instead of that, she was taken to an insane asylum. And she said that she had hoped to be made a martyr to Satan, whom she believes is working his evil in the world under the guise of Jehovah. And when this, quote, religious fire really took place in her was after one of her first times using the Ouija board. One of the first things the Ouija board did was command her to pull her hair out, which she did. The Ouija board also told her that her hair would grow back, which it did not. That's weird. Right. So, of all places, uh, University of Michigan, back in 1920, said Ouija boards are becoming plentiful in the fraternity, in society houses, and in the rooms of independent students. The... Concern was the number of students that were becoming strong devotees to the mystic. One professor was quoted as saying, Dynamite is safe in the hands of men who know how to handle it, but we don't give it to children to play with. And some of the concern was a couple of kids from his own class uh, had dropped out because they had to seek psychiatric uh, counseling. And even the head of the uh, University Health Service admitted that there had been a great influx of nervous students appearing uh, because of possibly this. 
And the professor also said, to my mind, the lure of Ouija is becoming a serious menace to this country nationally. Let's flash forward to, you know, everything else in the 70s and 80s. We just talked about uh, the possession of Mrs. Braxton from uh, One Man's Journey into the Occult in Kalamazoo, which we covered. And she supposedly became (coughs) mentally unhinged after using a Ouija board. And I guess my point would be, no mention in most of it, especially back then, is is there a religious slant to it, okay? So my thought is this. If the Ouija board is supposed to be nothing more than a parlor game, and during the Civil War and World War One and World War Two, people wanted closure because their loved ones had died, and that's why they're setting out to use the Ouija board for closure, for peace, or for entertainment. If that's the case, why are there countless numbers of incidences of people losing their mind or worse if it's so innocent yep well you know the famous quote i don't but i'm sure you have it (laughs) (laughs) the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world he never existed ah and on that folks we'll talk to you later yeah bye take care